Hello and welcome to The Naked Scarf. I'm Adam. I'm Andy. And I'm Stephen. And in this episode we're going to be looking at the androids of Tara. So, Andy, give us your plot synopsis. Um, um, it would be quite acceptable to say read Prisoner of Zender and imagine it with, uh, I think it's Zender, isn't it? Yeah, read Prisoner of Zender and imagine it with Tom Baker. Yeah, yeah, no, fine, that's it. It's just a, a Romana one looks incredibly like uh, some uh, princess off some far-flung planet and there's some evil count who, you know, wants to count assume Rendell. the throne and then there is some king guy who, you know, gets kidnapped by said count and, and lots of hilarious japes involving the Doctor and Romana and K-9. And it's all very medievally and well, no, not medievally, is it? It's, it's all castly and, and and there are some long, pretty dresses, and you know when men aren't talking. Um, yeah, uh, it's basically Game of Thrones done via seventies Doctor Who, <laughs> except it doesn't unfortunately have Peter Dinklage, which is a great shame. Or all the sex. No, the sex or the nudity or, or the repeated use of the c word. Although it does appear to have some sort of incestuous relationship between the. The king and his well, because it's prince and the princess, and, yeah. and it's never quite clear if they're if they're from different families. So it's a little bit. It is a little bit games. Of or it might actually. it might be like um, the Phantom Menace, where they have like an elected queen. Maybe it seems it actually seems to be a lot like that because there's that thing of he has to be there at a certain hour to. Yeah, that's true. And then but, he won't be king. But I just don't want to talk about the Phantom Menace, really. I'm sorry. I'm uh, sorry I did that to We you. should point <laughs> out, we're, we're talking about this one in particular, because very sadly, Mary Tam uh, died earlier uh, uh, this year. And uh, it's, it's really very sad. It's just, it, That's two companions gone in, in, in the space of a couple of months, really. Mm. So she's actually plays four roles in this. Romana, the princess, the princess's android double, Romana's uh, android double. So there's a lot of Mary Tam in this. And she, she's very good. She's uh, always confident, always calm, even when she's locked up constantly. I have to say that I am incredibly sad about Mary Tam's departure because uh, now I will never fulfil my wish to have her read me a bedtime story. Has that always been a wish of yours? That's really well, sweet. Well, that voice. Yeah, it is. she has got a lovely voice. Yeah, it's, it's, she is a bit of a sexual sausage, isn't she? <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what we want to send the tribute to her. Well done. <laughs> uh, no, I'm keeping it in. Um, Lowering tone. This is, because this is, uh, obviously, Lowering this is tone. part of the Key to Time series, uh, part, the fourth story. The Key to Time, though, really doesn't play much of a part in it. It's there, I mean, Romana... I think it's, I think it's absolutely delightful that they find the Key to Time in the opening in sort of ten minutes. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> or, as we call it now, the pre-credit sequence, pretty yeah. much. I mean, and that, that's the funny thing. It starts off, the Doctor's really not fussed. He's like, I want to go fishing. So he goes fishing, and Romana goes off to do the hard work, finds the key, and then it carries on. But you don't even need the key, because it really plays no part in the plot. Mm. It's obviously one of those scripts that you're just like, we've got it written, I will just add this end, this beginning scene and this end scene. And this weird little scene in the middle where um, Madame Lamia, Lamia, Lamia is poking around with it, but achieves nothing. And, and it briefly looks like it's going to figure into the plot in some way, but it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't, so... You know, it could actually be from any 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 season in in mm. that sense. The seasons uh, series season series. If you're American or you uh, not American, um, series sixteen is very much I always think Doctor Who as Saturday morning film serial mm. at its height. I think I mean I think it's my favorite Graham Williams uh, so, series yeah, definitely. definitely. It's when because it's real Saturday tea time adventure. I mean the Doctor you know ends with a sword fight. The villain doesn't even die. He, he does get uh, Count Grendel does get one of the best exit lines, which, which is "Next time I should not be so lenient." As he leaps off the castle balcony, which is brilliant, which I really, really love. 
it does feature the uh, Tyrone Wood Beast, which is one of those great Dot Two monsters that everyone tries to forget. Well, I love it because Romana is clearly not threatened in any way, but she just looks a little <laughs> nonplussed. <laughs> She's like, oh, it's, it's coming towards me. Uh. But I like to think somewhere in the Doctor Universe there's a support group for like the, the Tara Wood Beast, the, the Merka, the, the, the Bandrills from Time Lash, <laughs> and, they all, and they're just like, they all come around, they all, they all talk about how they haven't managed to return a new series yet. But 50th anniversary is coming up. We couldn't hope for the Tyrone Wood Beast to come back yet. Well, you know, Count Grenda's still alive. If the, if the Macra can come back, then so can the Tyrone Wood Beast. So it's going to be a little bit like I've heard Asylum of the Daleks is going to be. It's going to bring back every faintly useless <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Who villain. <laughs> It'll have Matt Smith standing in a circle of them going, Go on then, kill me! Yeah, no, where are we going? Come on then! It's time for the <laughs> teddy bear picnic! <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I would love to see that. I would love to see him surrounded by the shit Doctor Who monsters. I can, I can totally see Matt Smith there sitting on a tartan blanket with a picnic and, like, you know, all of these really crap monsters. Just like, oh, you know, shall I be mother? Well, there was an absolutely fantastic bit in one of the, in one of the new adventures where the brigadier is going... Uh, to his wife, we managed to fend off the Dravins without him and and the Bandrills, and it's just it's just this idea that there's some alien invasions that's beneath his dignity to deal with. <laughs> but he doesn't say we we, def- we, we managed to defeat the Tyrone Wood Beasts because I would no, love to see oh, unit versus the Tyrone Wood Beasts. Uh, the Tyrone is just like a sort of mad tramp rambling around in the forest. <laughs> yeah, very... the problem with it is is that it's not entirely that scary because you know you could probably just defeat it by giving it a hug. <laughs> Maybe that's all it wanted. Maybe. Yeah, it I mean, given that given that Count Grendel is clearly deceitful, he was probably lying about it. Probably just you know coming over like a squirrel, you know. <laughs> it's basically a big screw that wants a hug. Okay. I think it's just a raver that got lost in the wood for a few days and is still coming on the tail end of a shroom trip or something. Ravers do wear those big woolly uh, ankle yeah, yeah, things, yeah. so maybe it's a whole suit of that. Can we all just agree that Count Grendel looks a little bit like a drunken uncle version of Roger, De- Roger Delgado? Or like With a, a bad, fake nose. Or a bad drawing of Roger Delgado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that nose, which... I think it's probably fake, but you can never be sure. Well, this is the problem. We were watching it, and I was saying, that nose cannot be real. And then uh, Adam's girlfriend said, my dad has a nose like that. <laughs> but I can never quite tell if she actually means it. So. Well, I think I think he's absolutely wonderful as a villain, because he seems to be so, so deliriously happy with being evil. <laughs> he is. He's like, ha-ha, have I told you my latest plan? Ha-ha. <laughs> then I'm going to make you marry him, and then I'm going to kill you both. <laughs> well, why would is well, it... they have no incentive to go along with his plan, yes. really? Is it, is it not a simpler version? Probably, but that's not the point. <laughs> this is so much more fun. Yeah. Of course, he's got that great standby of 70s uh, science fiction, which is the high-tech medieval society. Oh, yeah, and it's great for the BBC, because it means they can just use all the costumes and sets that they had in storage, and it looks a hell of a lot better than... But he's got that interesting idea of the peasants, because they, they, only the peasants are able to build androids. The, the nobility see... don't really know, but we only see the nobility except for the one peasant. Yeah. Uh, and the weird servant guy who, who'd go and go, ooh, ah, ooh, and oh, he's say, hunchback. But there was, it feels like there's a slightly more interesting story buried in there where Madame Lamia is running Count Grendel as an android and he doesn't realise it. Anyway, Andy, I thought you were going to say something. What? Interesting. Yes. You know Quirky. What's well, well no, what was it? Surreal. Surreal. Did I accuse you of being surreal? I probably did. I, I might have had a look at your uh, Naked Scarf drinking game suggestions. Yes. Oh, Steve, I don't know if I told you this, but there's no. uh, a fan, uh, I can't remember her name, I think it's Alex. Let's see if, uh, exciting podcasting, I was like, check the internet. 
Um, started sending suggestions for a Naked Scarf drinking game. So, uh, dear listener, if you'll bear with us, I'll read out what rules we have. And um, you can you can join in with this episode or any other episode. Uh, and anything drunken that happens to you, though, I we deny all res- medical responsibility. I should put in some music here, like... I think that this might be slightly problematic, though, because I think Dave's deleted our first few podcasts. Oh, we can... I'll have a word with him about that. No, it's it's not that. It's just because, you know, we're taking up so much of his... They're not deleted, they are, but they're not available at the minute, but we're going to do something about that. Anyway, this is very boring podcasting. Oh yeah, she's included a drink game for every time I presume me say it says "god darn" plot synopsis and anyway, which is fair enough. Um, or drink twice for Holmes in double act, and it wasn't the bullets that killed him; it was Grace. That last one is definitely me. Uh, drink once for a tangent that could be a podcast topic on its own, and and for if the end music has been changed without warning. Isn't this technically a tangent that could be a podcast topic on its own? This is true. Take. Take a shot. Uh, a drink when something can be viewed in a post-Kenjian context. Thank you. Uh, my suggestions were take a shot when Andy makes a surreal comment or you or Steve refers to the books. Uh, I think so we've already got them yes. drunk now. Yes. Uh, when Andy and I start winding each other up. Uh, yeah, that's from uh, Alex Penn, uh, who you can follow on Twitter, at Phantom Reviewer. Uh, that's very kind. She apparently were her favourite podcast. I don't know if she listens to a lot of others, but there we go. <laughs> Anyway, we have managed to divert in the middle of the... I just said anyway, so take a shot. Maybe t- take a shot again, because I just said that I just said anyway. Take another stop, shot. Stop, stop it. Stop it now. Um, you're, getting, you're getting caught in a feedback loop. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully some, you'll be some, dribbling. Some poor listener is sitting there pouring out shot after shot of gin. <laughs> oh, I wish I had shot after shot of gin right now. Uh, it's, it's an interesting story, because... Uh, I'll take a shot every time I say interesting as well, because I realise I do that a lot. It's it's an interesting story because uh, it's not there isn't a world at stake. It's all small, what you call party politics. Yeah, and which... the doctor gets involved remarkably quickly and pitches in with one side. Despite no, the only thing he knows about them is that they held held him at sword point, and suddenly he becomes convinced that this guy needs to be king. I, but it's kind of. It, it kind of fits the fourth doctor in a weird way. It I is think very just, Tom he, Baker. He's yeah. just going along for the fun and the adventure. Yeah. I don't think he's he's particularly fussed. Yeah. You know, Beyond getting Romana back, I think. Which is just, it's just as well that the uh, that Prince Radar doesn't turn out to be, you know, Joffrey from Game of Thrones. <laughs> he, maybe he does once he leaves. Maybe he's like, no, everyone should be killed. <laughs> oh, but, um, yeah. And another thing, he keeps saying, that they, they keep doing this sort of little riff on, well, androids say that about you people, um, which is clearly meant to be a sort of tolerance-intolerance thing. But then... In episode one or two, the Doctor smacks an android over the head, so he's clearly not that tolerant. No, I think he's just, I think he's just making a joke more than anything. Yeah, point. I, don't, I don't think he's particularly yeah, android is, right. There is a thing. lot of slapstick and, uh, and and wordplay messing around from uh, Tom Baker in this particular, which is nice because that's when it feels like Fourth Doctor is particularly on form. Mm. Oh yeah, I mean this is him very much height of his powers. Yeah. Well, the, the the greatest evidence that that him and the villain are just having a lot of fun with it is the point when he just gives him back his sword in the middle of the sword fight. Oh yeah, because it's vastly more entertaining that way. That's true. And also we get K nine on a boat on a boat. Yes. Etc. Said the rest of that Lonely Island song. That I can't think of how it goes. <laughs> just, just spinning at the end. I, I, I'm sure Tom Baker was tempted just to leave him, given he had no great love for K nine. 
Kalen is used as a little bit of a crutch in this story. I mean, there's it's a lot of yeah, but that happens quite a bit, doesn't it? Generally, mm. he's the sonic screwdriver mm. of what the sonic screwdriver is now of its age. You know, where he's just like, we need a convenient escape. Canine, but cut very slowly through this panel. No, a bit slower. A bit slower. We need some tension here. <laughs> yes, we've got an hour and forty minutes to film. Make at least five minutes cutting this. Can we talk Mary Tam fashion? Yes. yes. Doesn't you go she for it. look good in purple? Purple is Mary Tam's colour. It's nice that purple was this season's colour on Tara. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's what the, she was wearing, what they're wearing this season yeah. on Tara. Which uh, is, is funny because, you know, I, I don't think that back then they had seasons as such. I, I, I think it was more kind of like, you know, yeah, either I, you were pretty poor and... Well, if it's supposed to be, you know, echoing a sort of similar contemporary period on Earth or whatever, yeah. It, it, it See, for a minute there, I thought you were talking about the 70s. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. They were very poor no, and they didn't. strikes. Three-day weeks. They had seasons Blackout. back then. They had seasons. Even if there weren't quite as many as there are now in the fashion world, it, it's, uh, yeah. Um, no, it, it's, it, but it does make me laugh that, you know, she uh, she's so careful to blend into her surroundings and all the rest of it and, and picks up that lovely, uh, uh, you know, her tropical kind of get-up as well as a consideration um but yeah and then the doctor just doesn't give a crap you know tom baker ain't gonna try fit in i i, I love when she goes to the tardis wardrobe and it looks so cheap in there it's just like <laughs> so, so, a hanger and, and a... but more to the point it looks like a hanger in a clothes shop not the kind <laughs> of hanger that somebody would have in their home it's like one of those graduated rails so you can choose what size jeans you want and you think like well, when we see it in the new series like in uh, christmas evasion it's this big room full of clothes, and, and, and there it's just like a back cupboard, and it's just like, I happen to have a tower and costume right here. Which, interesting enough, is purple and green, which always makes me think of supervillains, because that's quite famously, except if you're the Hulk, the colour of supervillains in comics is purple and green. But, Although, mm. I have to say, um, I give mad props to her for her wardrobe categorisation. The fact that she themes her clothes, well, by theme, and then alphabetically. Oh, but are they... Are they her clothes? Because it's the doctor's wardrobe, and he. Well, I assume that she, she's. But doesn't he say um, there's some clothes in the wardrobe? No, no, he says, like "Oh, that. aren't you getting? Aren't you going to get changed?" Um, no, I assume that she'd probably take her own clothes with her. I mean, you know, she's Romana. She, she's an, probably, she's not yeah. no ordinary companion. She don't give no fuck. She's got her own TARDIS somewhere. She's got her own wardrobe. She can take all that. Well, we've, already, we've already seen that the Doctor has an enormous wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, the Doctor clothes. does have an enormous <laughs> wardrobe full of women's clothes. But do you think Romana would really wear other old human companion clothes? Like She is incredibly calm. And well, collected. she might just accessorise with a few vintage pieces, you know. <laughs> She, yeah, no, okay, that's acceptable, though. <laughs> she possibly would do that because she's fabulous, but, you know, I don't know. She is very calm and collected throughout the story, as I was saying earlier. You know, even when she's captured, she never screams. And, and there's actually a great... I, I love the moment in the first episode when Count Grendel takes her to his castle and he goes, ha-ha, it's almost escapable. And there's just this look on her face as if to say, oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... You know, because this is like a full story, and I think she's already realised what's probably going to happen most of the time anyway. Well, I, quite, I quite like the idea that this is not a particularly threatening adventure for her anyway. <laughs> no, she's sort of like, coasting through it. Like, oh, right, okay. I we'll, have let, to say, we'll let the boys have their fun. I, I, I did find it a tiny bit disappointing, though, just because I thought, like... Uh, that there could be an interesting dynamic reversal where, um, you know, it starts out as a regular damsel in distress story 
Um, but then the doctor sort of gets himself into trouble and then Romana gets on a white steed and I thought, well, this could have been good, but no, no. Then she just goes and gets herself kidnapped again and she's screaming, doctor, help me, which, you know, just really irritated the fuck out of me. It's like, oh my God, 70s BBC, why couldn't you be more gender progressive? Well, to be fair, she's not... For, for, she's not for her time, she's much she better always, than many. Well... She is progressive in the sense that she isn't wearing a chamois leather like Leela did. I mean, that's a step forward, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Leela would have probably crippled Crank. This adventure with Leela would have been awesome. (laughs) It would have been over in ten minutes, though. She'd have stabbed him and then taken the key to time. It would have been like, got it, right, back in the TARDIS. It would have been like a one episode. She'd have been wearing the Tyrone would be by the end end of it. She'd have just, like, stabbed it. She's like, got a new fur coat. Off they went. Yeah, but that's that's no offense to Romana, who I, I mean, <laughs> you know, seventies BBC women politics is never great, but she was a step to again to try and create someone who's a little more. Uh, she's more she's the very much, equal. She's more in the line of, of companions like Liz Shaw or Zoe, but infinitely more poised. Oh, infinitely more poised and more stylish. I feel. Yeah, she was kind of the Doctor's equal, though obviously not quite because we'll never really get the Doctor's equal as a regular character. And I don't think Tom Baker would have allowed anyone to be in his equal, to be honest. Yeah, no. No, I, 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 that, maybe that's why he actually married Lala Ward. <laughs> Sorry, there, there was a the slightly feministy subtext that's going on in my head now. Quick, somebody say something before it all spills out. Uh, just, uh, oh, yes, uh, talking of Romana, her android double has what can only be described as a uterus ray. <laughs> when she's going to go off when the doctor speaks and, and shoot him. And it does distinctly come from the area of her womb. Well, she's blasting him with her feminine so, m- power. Maybe that is a feminist subtext. Maybe the uterus ray is actually a subtle commentary on Yeah, feminism. absolutely. In fact, I've heard that if a man gets blasted by a woman's uterus ray, then he becomes pregnant. <laughs> For some reason, I'm now imagining a pregnant Tom Baker in it. I think we terrible. all are. Well, that's a funny thing, actually, because I'm imagining I'm a pregnant... I'm eating jelly babies for two. <laughs> well, no, no, the funny thing about that is My that goodness. I automatically imagined a pregnant Adam, so... Look, I've put on a bit of weight while doing the MA, okay? You don't have to point it out, okay? <laughs> that's not I'm what really I meant. I'm really sensitive on this at the minute, you know that. is that. not what I meant. I'm writing a 15,000-word dissertation, okay? I don't get out much. <laughs> This is like my one break today is doing this podcast, and now you've called me fat. I didn't call you fat. You I just said I imagined that you were pregnant. I didn't say that I thought you looked pregnant. I was imagining you like nine months kind of sitting here looking a bit grumpy, resting your hands on your I already bumpers. look a bit grumpy. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that, that's exactly why. It's it's sort of standard Adam face. Children, children. <laughs> standard Adam face. Thank you so much. We ever meet anyone who does not really know us, listens to this podcast, God knows what they imagine we're going to be like. It's just me doing my annoyed cat face and uh, you laughing and pointing at my fat belly. Well, that's a perfect summary of our relationship. Take a shot. What are you talking about? <laughs> take a shot, listeners. Take a shot. Uh, I don't know if I've got an awful lot more to say about this. It was very oh, pretty. Romana not knowing how to use a horse. When she first encounters yes. one, she's like, what does it run on? And then when she gets on, she's like, go, start. <laughs> Obviously, they don't have horses on Gallifrey. No, evidently not. No, I thought it was a quite a pretty episode, as aesthetically speaking. You know, I, 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 you know, the sets they they did look like sets, but I never found that they detracted from 
right. the story, and uh, and is, at times they look downright good. So. Oh, there's some lovely night filming in there yeah. as well, where, yeah, yeah. which suddenly makes it look ten times more expensive. It, 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 you can see why suddenly they didn't have the money for a power of crow, because <laughs> uh, it's interesting. Because this is obviously this is quite a time in Doctor Who's life when it's. Infa- infamous for the fact that inflation was going mad and the budgets were going down, which is why a lot of the Graham Williams era looks so much cheaper compared to the Hinchcliffe era. Initially, because Hinchcliffe actually spent the next few years' budget on towns of Wang Chang, but it does look good for that era. Actually, mm. right? It does look. It looks. looks well, solid. a lot of it is the use of real settings, you know, the yeah. real castles. Um, as I said, ra- raiding the BBC prop store for silly hats, lots of silly hats, mid European looking sort of. Set dressing. Oh, that that fantastic bit when um, Count Grendel throws spear that he's brought along to the truce and no one noticed, and then leaps over the barrier quite slowly. What <laughs> runs out and, everyone, and he's not he's at the door. He must have gone, been going for at least five meters. They go, oh, we should stop him. And he's like, really? I'd spent most of the episode being quite distracted by how much, for some reason, the prince reminded me of Freddie Mercury. Yeah, he reminded me. I think it was the moustache and the clothing as and well. And the clothing, yeah. It was very Freddie Mercury. At times, the like, whole thing... He not have monkey business. <laughs> at times, the whole thing just started merging into a bit of a Queen video in my head. Well, in yeah, fact, I was, honestly, I was thinking more Abba than Queen. Really? I think that's possibly because of the, the, the glittery shoulder pads on all of the guards. But... Uh, yeah, no, I no, I, I I don't know. Maybe it's because I got a little bit of a soft spot for Freddy. Now I don't know whether to end this with Game of Thrones theme music, or a Queen or an Abba song. Some sort of mega mm. mix. I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm not that good. <laughs> Joy funny mix of Joy Bohemian Rhapsody in the Game of Thrones. Well, in all fairness, you should definitely end it with the show must go on by Queen because that's pretty much a Doctor Who mantra or a song about dying of AIDS. It very much depends on your perspective. But also, it, it kind, it's kind of appropriate because next time he, he will not be so lenient. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I do, it, it, that's why I went back for the 50th anniversary. Count Grendel. Oh. Count Grendel. And I want him and Matt Smith to have a sword fight. And then I want Tom Baker to stop swinging and carry on the sword fight. Yes. That, that, that's excellent. what I want. And then, and then 50 Tyrone would be superior and start doing a, 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 a jive ha- jazz hands dance number. With Captain Jack. With Captain Jack high kicking and leading. <laughs> yes, he's, it's Stephen Moffat. Give us a call. If you don't give us a call, you're a terrible uh, writer and don't know how to run Dot 2. Because obviously we have the better ideas. We're fans. We know what we're doing. <laughs> the sad thing is that there are fans who actually think that would be good. Yeah, so they'd be like, yeah, yeah. Why, why weren't there 50 Tower would be in there? <laughs> Stephen Moffat obviously hates Doctor Who. Um... Yeah, you know what? Sometimes I think that if I played episodes of our podcast to people who were blindfolded in a dark room and said, now, what is this guy's major? They'd all be able to tell it was in theatre. No, no, it's performance and culture interdisciplinary perspectives. Ah. It's theatre. Seen through the prism of the Tauran Wood Beast. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you the sociological implications of the Tauran Wood Beast, but that would take a long time and would involve various friends... Uh, sociologists. Like, the the, the Tyrone Woodbeast represents the disenfranchised, uh, possibly, or he might he might re- re- represent cultural capital uh, personified. The but... only uh, French sociologist I'm particularly interested in to tell you the truth is Le Bon because he's the one who's going to help you take over the world. What are your thoughts on Le Bon, Adam? I haven't actually encountered his oh. work. Oh, don't you owe me? Don't you dare come and go, oh, you don't know this particular French sociologist. That's like going, oh, you haven't ever heard or read Power of the Daleks, have you? It's No, it's, it's not the point. Actually, and just the record, I have heard Power of the Daleks. Um, don't, don't, don't you dare try and... Uh, 
do what you were just doing because I can't find the words on me to do Well, no, basically all I was trying to do was get you to go off on one a little bit because I thought it would, uh, you know, lengthen the podcast while you ranted amusing you know, And also it's, it's been a while since the listeners had a drink, so, you know. <laughs> you know what? You've had your philosophy special. Steve had had the Virgin New Adventure special. When we do the ultimate adventure, when we do the fucking musical, <laughs> then I'll have my moment in the sun. Don't you? Don't, don't you doubt it? The, the limelight, surely. The, yes, the limelight would have been a better metaphor. I should have said limelight, but I didn't. That that's just how it is. Because I actually got my best mark in my MA. Uh, well, seeing how I have worked, what I get for my dissertation on my socio-cultural analysis of the musical module. So I will be hot shit on Colin Baker or John Pertwee in a musical. But that's not the well, point. It's a shame that they we won't. haven't talked about Androids of Tara for at least five minutes now. <laughs> this is possibly another tangent. Take a shot. Um, if we get our own drinking game, does that actually mean we've become our own cliche? I think so. Yeah. Uh, will we ever not our own cliche? Well, but, now, now we're just revisiting past glories. We're like sort of eighties Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 you're, you're saying we're season twenty, basically. <laughs> We've oh God. Uh, I've uh, eaten so much curry, my tummy really hurts. And <laughs> <laughs> on that bombshell. <laughs> All right, so is that us done? I think I think so. I I really like this episode. Was yeah, it's story. a really it's, fun. Story. It's an effervescent and. and it, Clearly winking at itself. It's, it's it, just great it's fun. fun. It, Especially it's after you've watched all of Trial of a Time Lord. Yes, it's, it's yes. a great relief. After it's like it's like a it's effervescent like an Alka Seltzer. Yes, compared to the indigestion of Trial of a Time Lord. It is possibly <laughs> one of the most light-hearted Doctor Adventures in some ways. I, I mean, think so. Yeah. N- no one really dies. You're not sure, but the, well, there is that sort of slightly jarring moment when all the the, the, the six guards raid the castle and they're clearly not setting their weapons to stun. Well, so Tom Baker's chums just slaughter the whole load of people. I don't but. think he's that bothered. I mean, this is the doctor that went around with Leela. Yeah, so I think he's a bit more meh. Um, I, I, I have a quick plug that I want to make, actually. Yeah, sure. um, uh, I, I recommend that anybody who wants to have a bit of a laugh go to YouTube and type in Call Me Maybe chat roulette version and watch that video. It's got nothing to do with Doctor Who, but you will laugh. Well, thank you for. I thought I'd get that in there. Surreal. Well, now we have to close out the episode with that song. No, we Thanks. don't. No, we don't. No, <laughs> oh we yeah, don't. yeah, we do. And then, and then they'd be singing it we'll, for we'll, days. We're going out in the Games of Thrones theme tune. Do 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 uh, email us at nakedscarf at gmail.com or on Twitter at nakedscarf. We have a Tumblr, nakedscarf.tumblr.com, and we have a Facebook group. If you just search Naked Scarf, we should come up. Please feel free to send us any emails, abuse. thoughts, abuse. Other, other suggestions for the drinking game will be uh, very well welcomed. Pictures of cats that look like Anthony Ainley, I'd still like some. And I th- and I think we're back next with a look at the war machines. Adam absolutely hates receiving cock shots, so anybody who you know, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. You just haven't sent me any for a while. That's all. <laughs> Ooh, I yes. sense a great evil coming from this. And on that note, goodbye, folks. Reality Open your eyes Look
Just killed a man 